this episode of Riding the 3x3, Patrick Fetch and I, Russ Heltman, dive into the NBA season and review. We discuss what happened in the six months of hardwood action, take a look at our preseason picks, and uh, assess the worry level for the Los Angeles Lakers as their two stars miss another game against the Houston Rockets on Banner Night. In lane number two, we got the NFL schedule release. going to be very interesting to see how all these teams assess their new added game to the 16 usual game schedule now at 17 we discuss all that and close out the show with mlb surging in the ratings fans returning in droves and it could be the summer of baseball as uh health restrictions are lifted around the country all that and more coming up on riding the three by three you can subscribe on apple google wherever you get your podcasts go ahead and subscribe rate and review and let's keep supporting the movement time for lane number one Welcome in to another edition of Riding the 3 by 3 I'm your host, Russ Heltman, joined, as always, by my co-host, Patrick Fetch. Got a three-pack of topics, three lanes to throw at the people today as we're streaming right now during the 6 o'clock Eastern hour on StreamYard via Twitch and uh, also a little Twitter and Facebook live action as well. We got the MLB, NFL, and NBA to touch on tonight. It's the season review episode, Pat, for the NBA. We're going to touch on our preseason picks, look at all 10 playoff selections that we made back in uh, the early part of December 2020, see how those panned out. Look at LeBron James missing another game as the Lakers lift the banner last night uh, in Staples Center against the Houston Rockets narrowly beat the Rockets on a Kyle Kuzma buzzer beater at the end of the game. That would have been uh, a bad, bad mark to have in history, losing on banner night to this Houston Rockets team. But we'll touch on all that in the NBA lane. And then lane number two, NFL schedule talk, the top game of the season. Probably going to be a similar answer between Pat and I. There's one matchup that sticks out very, very heavily rankings and also we'll uh, look at who got hurt and helped the most in terms of the seedings and uh, not necessarily the seedings the schedule layout and how these teams are going to be traveling what the the strength is looking like back-to-backs uh tough road trips all that stuff in lane number two and then lane number three major league baseball has had a resurgence this year in the ratings they're they're bouncing up they're bouncing back sunday night baseball in particular on espn up 34 percent this year we'll touch on that and try to assess who is the best team in baseball so far through this young season as the dominant force we all expected the Dodgers to be has slowed down just a little bit, although they have won back-to-back games for the first part. So for the first time since early April, Pat, welcome in, my man. I'm going to leave the floor to you right now to start with NBA. Before we get into the overall preseason predictions, let's assess this LeBron James situation along with Anthony Davis. They missed the game against the Houston Rockets. We only have about two to three contests left for every team in the NBA. Are you starting to worry and waver a little bit about the defending champions' ability to uh, reign supreme once again, or is this going to be the same story that we've seen the past decade anytime LeBron James gets back in the playoffs? When I look at the Lakers in a vacuum, yes, I'm worried. And you have to be worried. We talked about it last week. The Without LeBron, and we mentioned it when we talked about the Nets really, really earlier this year, when you went, Pat, we have to see them actually play together before we can just put them into the championship. We have to actually see them on the court together a little bit. And that's how I'm feeling about the Lakers. They got to get some type of chemistry. I have to feel comfortable actually seeing them on the court together again, which I'm just not right now. The only thing that uh, is keeping me a little bit on the Lakers to the championship train is that there's not really a clear team in the West that I feel so great about that in a, in a seven game series against the Lakers still against the LeBron AD, if they're on the same court, just because 
I mean, it's it's a tale as old as time, right? LeBron James gets to the playoffs. LeBron James gets to the championship. And so it, it's hard for me looking into the West to see a team that's going to be strong enough, that has the attitude, maybe even the veteran presence to help just will the team past that Lakers. The Nuggets, I think, were the real good shot number one team, especially with what they did last year and the sort of uh, grit they showed, the resilience they showed in that 3-1 comeback against the Clippers. But as Jamal Murray goes down, I just don't know a team in the West that I feel great about. And so while I am worried about the Lakers, I don't know how worried I am yet, Russ. Maybe you can you can bring a team to light for us that uh, we can get keep an eye out for that really is the team to beat in the West. But no one has really risen to the forefront there. It's It's got to still be the Lakers in my eyes. They're still the odds-on favorite at most places to win the Western Conference right now. It's it's definitely, I think, mostly Brooklyn Nets across the board still. It's it's funny. The two most uh, injured but star-laden teams, you could argue, are still leading the way in terms of the odds-makers' thoughts on who could win this title, Pat. But you look at Utah, sputtered a little bit down the stretch here, lost last night, got blown out against the Portland Trailblazers, who have pretty much firmly cemented their spot away from the play-in. And the Lakers are well, not firmly cemented. They're tied right now with the Mavericks. Lakers a game back uh, trying to get out of that seven seed. Those two teams ahead of the L.A. team trying to stay in 5-6. But the Jazz haven't really picked it up and carried that momentum that we saw them have going into the All-Star break. I remember us having a pod right after uh, agreeing or, or coming to the to, – uh, to an agreement that they would be the number one team in the NBA, but we thought maybe 55, 56 wins as opposed to the probably 51, 52 that they're likely to get sitting at 50 and 20 right now. So they're not necessarily a juggernaut. The Suns have slowed down a little bit. They're in the bottom third in the league in defensive efficiency per 100 possessions over uh, the last month, month and a half or so. The Clippers, uh, it's tough. They are the Clippers. Like we haven't seen them really assert dominance like we we should out of a team with that kind of duo and that kind of star power. You'd love to see them maybe hovering closer to 50 wins than they're going to end up being at. The Nuggets, they have the Murray issue, like you said. And then down the line, it's just you're not going to get a champion, I don't think, in this Western Conference uh, from the 5-6. Maybe the Mavericks, though, Pat? That's the thing. The Mavericks have been playing very well without Chris Stapps for Zingas. They are a dark horse for me, and they could have the best player in any series. We saw what that effect had last year against the Los Angeles Clippers when Luka Doncic was able to take that team to six without um, Kristaps Porzingis' help in a lot of that series. But it still just doesn't feel right to me to discount the King. I'm feeling as though, like, last night they sit Caruso, LeBron, and Anthony Davis. They basically run out all the scrubs and just pray that they could get the job done against Houston. That was a little risky to me, Pat. But I think it kind of speaks to how heavily they are cautionary, cautioning themselves against any more re-injury with both AD and LeBron. It's a little bit of dumb basketball brain working for us, too. I think you just mentioned it's hard to see any of the players we haven't seen before take the crown. And I think that's what's driving us back to this LeBron and AD is just we haven't seen anybody do it. We've seen Luca be great at spurts, maybe that. And I, I look at the Clippers, maybe the, the Kawhi Bowl sort of comes back and comes back to life Frankenstein style in this playoffs and goes and looks like the best player in the world again. But I, I guess that's where I'm at with you. You're sort of just trying to find one player that will stick out and take over this Western Conference uh, Western Conference playoff picture. I don't know who it is. I don't know who's going to rise to the top to take over LeBron. I don't see 
Donovan Mitchell or Devin Booker quite having that breakout, but something weird is bound to happen, Russ. When you have no idea what's going to happen, something strange is bound to come to light here. Who who is going to be the hero? I I do not know. I'm rooting for it to not be LeBron and the Lakers though, just because they have been so meh, right? A, the regular season. And it feels like up. one of those years where anybody could do it, right? Is kind of how you're and feeling. Right. And so you want to see, quote unquote, like anybody else do it. One of those weird teams sort of break through. And I think that'd be really exciting. It's been a, just an absolute weird year. It's still been like a a bit of a lull coming off of the COVID year. A lot of games in one year for a lot of these basketball players. The effort has been down, I would say, across the board going into oh, the yeah. later part of the season. So this the regular season itself has been a disappointment. Maybe we just don't really know what's coming in the playoffs with all of these nagging injuries and resting stars and whatnot so that hopefully we are bound to be shocked by some of the competition we see thousand percent and speaking of all the competition this season pat we had some preseason predictions before the year let's go ahead and run through them here i'll pull up the final standings that we had uh from the 2021 season i believe we went through all 10 picks you got you went back and filed through yours didn't you I did. I did. I only have my top eight, though. I don't have my top ten. Okay, but we'll just I do the still... top. We'll just do the top. We'll we'll do the top eight, and we'll just kind of look at the play and and see how that all sh- shook out. But we'll we'll keep it the top eight. I like that. It'll it'll save time a little bit too, because it's very unlikely. I think we went through this a couple weeks ago with the the, the Kevin uh, ESPN's Kevin Pelton data, uh, talking about how not a great chance if you're in the nine ten spot to make the playoffs. Hello. the uh, the best team maybe in the play in in the East is uh, that Russell Westbrook and Bradley Beal led. Washington Wizards team. We'll start right there in the East, Pat. You and I um, both, I think, were, were pretty pretty similar in the East, starting with the top four seeds. I went Bucks, Nets, Sixers, and Heat. So we were close there with uh, the Sixers and Nets switch uh, in the top three. But I think we were all well, – I was spot on with those four teams making the playoffs. What about you and your top four? I had the exact same top four, Bucks, Nets, Sixers, and Heat, I think exactly in that order. Even though, as we'll get to it, uh, do you want me to continue? Because I think I had the call of of the Eastern side playoffs. Because Let's even go. though five through even, uh, five through eight, what do you have? So this is where it gets choppy. I did have the Raptors, who eh. same, and then I, I had the, we underestimated the uh, the whole you know moving the Tampa thing. That was uh, right. tough to uh, well, it wasn't really tough to foresee. We just didn't foresee it. So yeah, exactly. And then I right after the Raptors, my six was the Celtics which I was pretty on board with them having a little bit of a down year. And then I had the Hawks at seven. And if you do go back and listen, I did tell you, do not be surprised if the Atlanta Hawks find their way into that top four, top half of this playoff picture. I was very high on them, even though I was scared to put them there in the preseason rankings. God, I should have, because I was right on board with the oh. Hawks making the playoffs this year. And you then I should be there with uh, Lloyd Pierce. But as soon as they slotted old uh, trusty McMillan in there. Exactly. And I was right on board. I had my uh, to finish it out. My eight seed was the Wizards and I did have the Pacers falling out. And so I think I was kind of right in that, even though the Wizards are sitting at 10, did not foresee the Hornets having the year that they had an ops, an absolutely awesome season for the new look Charlotte Hornets. LaMelo was electric, easily the best player out of the draft for them. So I'm pretty pleased with where I was on the East. The really the only misses were not seeing the Knicks getting into the playoffs, and then uh, obviously having the Raptors in there instead. But I'll, so you I'll went seven away. for you got seven for eight out of the teams that are that are going to be in the in the playing playing picture. 
Yeah, right. Exactly. Yeah. So seven of eight in the top ten. But if we're going to in, in just the top eight, I guess I'm six for eight, just because six of the Hornets slipping right. in there. So, okay. So my was Raptors, just like you. We had six Sixers, Wizards, and then rounding out the top ten was Hawks and Bulls. So I was I missed on the Hawks. We'll, we'll make that we'll make that a miss overall. But in the uh, in the playing picture, still had them sneaking in there. And had the Bulls and Raptors, unfortunately. Too high on the Bulls, Pat. I thought maybe Billy Donovan would be able to shape them up. Zach Levine exploded like I thought he might. But, man, once they got Vucevic, weirdly, it just kind of tanked for them. But 8 for 10 for me on uh, overall play-in playoff teams in the East as we move on to the West. Pat and I missed the Hornets and the uh, and the Knicks. That was not something we uh, saw at all. I don't know anyone, Pat, that had the us? Knicks making the playoffs <laughs> before the season. Man, that was that was the probably shock of the year, and uh, we are going to be uh, discussing that in terms of shocks with the NFL schedule release. But uh, Utah Jazz, Phoenix Suns, LA Clippers, Denver Nuggets was the final top four in the West. My West was Nuggets, Clippers, Lakers, Mavs. So had all four of those teams in the playoffs. They're all going to be in the play-in. But unfortunately, the Nuggets got bit by that injury bug. Pat, what do you have for your top four? I had a Lakers, Nugs, Mavs, Clippers. And so, I mean, I was pretty close in there. I can't be too upset with that. With so many of the injury bugs biting the West, it, it did sort of slot out pretty weird. But mm-hmm. I feel pretty good about having those teams there. Yeah, I thought maybe, maybe Luca wouldn't come back as uh, out of shape, but he did. It's okay, though. It's okay. <laughs> Just a couple weeks. He, uh, he got it together, got that shot to get back to the Mendoza line. Five through eight for me was the Jazz, Blazers, Suns, and Pelicans. Unfortunately, first miss of the entire Western Conference slate, Pat, the Stan Van Gundy-led New Orleans Pelicans. Tough, tough. We'll talk about that in just a second. You did much better than I, as I had the Suns, Jazz, Pelicans, and Rockets finishing out right. my life. I remember us debating Rockets and Golden State for who would uh, who would end up sneaking in there. Right, and this was before the James Harden trade, obviously, going back to the preseason. And so that definitely exploded the whole Rockets to the eighth seed uh, right in our face. But you know what? It is what it is. We, we take our uh, losses on the chin and on this show on the 3 by 3 and we just keep it rolling. Nine through 10 for me was Memphis Golden State. So I had those two teams correctly slotted to get into the play in. Pelicans thought they would get into play in, Pat. Unfortunately, the San Antonio Spurs stuck it to me again. Greg Popovich, that team won't die. They will not die and they will not uh, go into the night quietly as they continue to hang on slightly to playoff spots after missing it last year, right back in the play in once again. Most likely, though, not going to be getting one of those top eight seeds to go and get slaughtered by either the Utah Jazz or the Phoenix Suns. Biggest surprise, Pat, of the season as we uh, close this thing out. And we'll also give our biggest disappointment. The biggest surprise has to be who ended up at the one, two seeds for me in the Western Conference. I think we expected the Suns to have a good rebound year and really explode onto the scene, especially with Chris Paul being the one that got to orchestrate that offense. And we saw the Suns be the darling of the NBA bubble last year going undefeated, right? When they were in there, Devin Booker was absolutely amazing, but they fell off late. I think that might have to do with a little bit of the lack of effort just around the league and resting their guys into the playoff time, at least telling them to maybe lay low a little bit and conserve energy for a playoff run. That being said, I I did not foresee the Jazz or the Suns having the sort of bounce back seasons that they had, especially dominant seasons early on for a good stretch. And 
maybe it's a little bit of smoke, a little bit of smoke screen, just because all the things we mentioned, the great teams being tired, having played a lot in the bubble, all of the weird circumstances that were happening it, for this NBA whole, you know, calendar year, all the weird stuff that's gone on. That being said, I think uh, those two definitely stood out to me as the biggest surprise. I don't want to put the Knicks in there just because we talked about it last week. So I'm going to go with uh, with the Jazz and Suns because it's really been much more than the top guys, too. We talked about Clarkson on the Jazz, Jordan Clarkson, who had an awesome year start the year. He uh, Sixth man of the year. Yeah, probably will be the sixth man of the year. I don't know if there's anybody else that's going to gonna challenge him. I sort of lost my uh, track on that race, but he has been fantastic. And so the coaching, the whole team play, and then their stars rising continue to not have that regression uh, in the middle of their start of their careers. I think is really important in, in the st- superstardom trajectory of guys like Donovan Mitchell and Devin Booker trying to re- uh, rise to the occasion, rise to the potential that people see in them, rise of that superstar category. So I'm going to go with those two teams, just the whole top of the West in general, kind of turning the Western Conference on his head a little bit, Get, seeing the Lakers, seeing the Mavericks, uh, having to be road teams in these series could be a little bit of an interesting dynamic as we move forward. Right. And the jazz probably going to have a pretty hefty amount of fans in Vim and home arena out there in the altitude and the mountains. And we know how difficult a place that can be to play, especially when you factor in those geographical issues up there uh, higher than uh, the average sea level. So the Phoenix suns as well, they could have a pretty decent home crowd as a two seed. So we'll see how that all plays out. My number one surprise, I got to go back to the Eastern conference. It has to be the next Pat. They have the, they were easily the biggest surprise this season to get the six seed to be seven games over 500 to clinch a playoff spot. Uh, a couple of games for the season even ends at 38 and 31 and vying for that four seed only a half game back of the Atlanta Hawks and uh, Trey young with the development of Julius Randall for him to explode from pretty good, decent player to flamethrower. Every time I watch this guy on TV, Pat, he's sitting there making baseline dribble pull-ups and got with guys, two hand face, two hands in his face, guys with seven foot wingspans, just, like draped down his throat doesn't matter Julius Randle just makes big shots all the time he is the fulcrum of that offense and he's been a big reason why after losing their best player arguably going into the season Mitchell Robinson they have outlasted and used the tactics of their coach Tom Dibodeau to a T I think it's going to be very difficult to parse the coach of the year race between him and Monty Williams I don't want to be I'm glad I'm not the guy making that decision because that's a very difficult decision to make right there between those two storylines but the biggest bold prediction anybody was making before the year Pat basically and and I saw this on uh, on Yahoo earlier today was the Knicks to crack the 10 seed and make the play in that was the biggest bold prediction and now this team is arguably uh, setting themselves up to be in the catbird seat uh, to take out one of the lesser teams in the back half of that Eastern Conference bracket if they are to overtake the Atlanta Hawks for that four seed. So they are my biggest surprise of the year. Biggest disappointment, we know what that is. It's Stan Van, baby. Stan Van, my oh, oh my. Stan Van Gundy and the New Orleans Pelicans made sure that Zion Williamson, this is from Andrew Lopez of ESPN and ESPN Stats and Information, became the uh, the first player since Shaquille O'Neal in 92-93 to finish top 10 in scoring and field goal percentage, Pat, and miss the playoffs. Uh, Charles Barkley, shout out old Chuck, actually did this twice uh, in 1987 and 1991. It's inexcusable. It's unbelievable that a talent like Zion Williamson will once again probably going to be, he's probably going to make the All-NBA team this year. I, th- I would vote for him to be All-NBA is not going to be in the playoffs. It's just a disgrace. It's a disaster. 
And a lot of the blame has to fall on Stan Van Gundy's shoes of just how chaotic and sporadic that team was this season. That's my biggest disappointment. What do you guys we close out the NBA segment? That, that's the only right answer as well. Uh, also the biggest disappointment for us as fans to not be able to see Zion Williamson in the playoffs. Just absolutely. No, I like DeJounte Murray, Pat, but. Again, I I like DeJounte Murray. And again, I love Zion Williamson. So us as fans, we got that stolen from us again. I would say my biggest disappointment would probably have to be the Chicago Bulls. And I mean, I guess we weren't expecting too, too much from the Chicago Bulls, but I think maybe we're expecting them to just handle the entire operation of the process of rebuilding a competitive team better. Uh, them trading assets for Vucevic, that not working out, ultimately just losing them percentages on the lottery, um, really not helping to develop Zach Levine into that next stratosphere of a player with that move. Like Losing Wendell Carter, who looks like he could be a pretty solid player for Orlando too. It, it was just an all-around bummer for uh, the Chicago Bulls and not a lot of high expectations for them to start the season, but they still somehow managed to underperform those expectations, whether it would be at the front office or on the court with their players and their man and their head coach. So I'll just go with the Chicago Bulls. Uh, and it's, it's sad because those are two fun teams, the Bulls and the Pelicans, or at least the potential to be very fun with their players. And uh, it's a tragedy. We're not going to be able to see them play in the playoffs. No doubt. No doubt, Pat. Teams that we hope are going to be playing in the playoffs, your Pittsburgh Steelers, I don't really want to see them in the playoffs. But my Cincinnati Bengals, I think you feel the same as way on the uh, on the other side of that. Debate. I'd be fine with it. Yeah, he, he, see, look at that. He's taking pity on us. That's where we've reached. The Steelers fans <laughs> are taking pity on the Bengals fans. This is bad. I don't want the pity. That makes me feel even worse. Anyway, here we go. Into this, as we get it, the perfect way to get into the schedule release here on riding the three by three with actually some tough roads to, uh, to to plow through for our Bengals and Pittsburgh Steelers as we lead off here. Both teams, according to sharpfootballstats.com, have the 28th Bengal, or Bengals, respectively, 28th hardest schedule in the league, or excuse me, 28th easiest schedule in the league, and the Pittsburgh Steelers have the 31st. So in layman's terms, Bengals fifth hardest and Steelers second hardest in terms of Vegas win total forecasting. Pat, what did you feel? How did you come away from yesterday's schedule release? And we'll kick things off after your feelings with our number one matchup that we are excited to see this season. I felt... Um nervous and i think i was just a part of my take they made a great point that every year the schedule release comes out and you can look at it and you could find 10 wins and six losses and it makes you feel better right uh, the old every team's eight and eight exactly this uh the schedule came out this year and i definitely was leaning towards more than the six losses it, it just felt like more losses were getting added onto the schedule the schedule looks longer looks more intimidating it doesn't look like there's any breaks to it especially for our boys in the afc north having to go against I guess what forecasts to be projects to be a very strong NFC North division, especially with the new quarterback in Chicago. I guess if all stays as is in Green Bay, the Packers. Right. That Chicago is kind of the fulcrum, right, for the AFC North. If Justin Fields is bad, all right, it's not as it's not as tough. But if he's good, that can be the difference between three AFC North playoff teams or two. Is Aaron Rodgers going to be a Green Bay Packer you know, versus is he not going to be a Green Bay Packer? Are the Lions going to be just pesky enough? And what are we going to get from the Vikings? Are the Vikings a, you know, a playoff team like we all thought last year? Are they a team that's just going to be completely inconsistent with a terrible defense, a very un-Mike Zimmer-like Vikings team? So that whole division, I think, confuses our schedules a lot as fans. 
Um, other than that, what's what's the other division where we had to go out and play? And the uh, AFC, that is the uh, the South, right? The South. Oh yeah, this is confusing. It's the East. No, and we got the, the we got it's the West. We got the West. So that's what makes it also difficult of having to bring on uh, Mahomes, Herbert, and the Chargers. There is some tough competition out there, and especially if you're going to have to travel these places. You know, I, I don't feel bad about the Raiders, and luckily, thank God, this Pittsburgh gets uh, the Vegas in Pittsburgh because that's a tough matchup for the whole division as well. Just having to travel out to the West and early, travel. you'd rather Tomlin get the Gruden team early, I think, and yes. uh, take advantage of the less prepared or less organized training camp that you imagine there would be discrepancies right. between those two coaches and then i mean when you see the chiefs on the schedule you can just chalk that one up as a loss it feels like and so it, yeah, it, add, it looks, arrowhead week 16 that sounds like no bueno to me I, i'm yeah. not envying you on that path <laughs> not fun whatsoever and so it is a tough draw i mean it happens for us but what should be a very very competitive division is going to be high pressure and intense matchups all season long with our boys in the afc north and so there's I mean, you pick it, Ravens, Chiefs, Steelers, Chiefs, the inner division, you know, division games that are going to have between the AFC North. There's a lot of good football on the schedule for our boys. Right. So it'll be an and exciting. Your Steelers, week. tough, tough draw with the week seven bye and then 10 straight weeks of uh, of high pressure football there. Same, same kind of thing for the Bengals, though. Once those two teams match up in week 12, Pat, it's uh, tough sledding. Starting with the Steelers, you got the Ravens, uh, Vikings, Titans, Kansas City Chiefs, Browns, and Ravens again. Those final four games are shaping up to be a gauntlet, especially the final three, both two of them on the road with uh, the Chiefs and the Baltimore Ravens. And then the Cincinnati Bengals start off with uh, the Minnesota Vikings and the Bears. They have to really go three and one, I think, Pat, or two and two to open the season, have any hope at all of fighting for one of these playing uh, or extra playoff spots because the back half of their schedule, especially the final four games at Denver, never fun in week 15 or on. Uh, home against Baltimore, home against the Chiefs, fortunately, but obviously never fortunate to play the Chiefs. And then at the Browns, week 18, that could be a serious flex candidate if uh, if either of those teams are scratching and clawing at the end there. But overall on this schedule, what was your number one matchup league-wide that you're most looking forward to? I'm going with the matchup we got robbed of last year in the Super Bowl. It is the gunslinger fiesta matchup of Mahomes and Rodgers. believe it's going to be mm. week nine. First time we get to see those two go against each other. And I think that is uh, just the most entertaining matchup for me. I hope it turns into something similar that we got in the Rams Chiefs Monday night, a 54-51 just touchdown parade with scores all over the field i hope it's something like that hopefully we get a good weather night like a beautiful night the crowds are rocking two classic franchises right uh rematch of the first ever super bowl between those two so everything about it is a great matchup you have elite quarterbacks elite tradition uh, hopefully two very good teams two very dynamic teams and two teams who are going to be looking uh to really make a statement this year win super bowl so right in the middle of the season week nine both teams should be uh, right at the top of their game. It, it shapes out to be a perfect sort of uh, date as far as the weather goes, that mid-fall matchup, a little bit chilly, right. just classic football game. I think that one should be. and That's the one that caught my eye. I need some fog, Pat. We haven't had a good <laughs> fog game in a while, I feel like. A good fog. That, that could be a good uh, 
<laughs> good, good. It could be a potential good fall game. Get that. Where is it at though? I didn't even see where it is at. Is it in uh, Arrowhead or in the uh, the Chiefs game? Yes, it is in Lex. Arrowhead. It is Arrow, in Kansas Arrowhead. City. Yeah, we get some maybe get some fog there. Who knows on the uh, on the old plains of Kansas City? We'll see how that plays out there. I like that pick, Pat. That's that's probably my second behind. I'll let you take goats. The two goats matching up against each other in week four. Buccaneers traveling to Foxborough to take on the New England Patriots. The one thing really standing in Tom Brady's way, Pat, is a victory against the New England Patriots. He's done everything else a quarterback can do. He's he's matched all the records, and he's probably going to match another record along with beating all 32 teams in the NFL were they to uh, take out the uh, Patriots, which I would believe they probably would what the four 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 point favorite in that game right now three and a half four points something like that but get this pat brady is uh about 289 yards average per game from uh from taking over drew Brees. if he were to hit about 280 to 290 yards per game over the first three games he would need a, that average in the foxborough matchup to not only beat new england have that chance but also set the record all time for passing yards for good because Drew Brees obviously retired against his old team. You can't get much better than that. That's just that's simulation vibes 101. Let's talk about the flip side though. Can you imagine the ruckus that would happen in New uh New England if Mac Jones comes in, it beats Tom Brady, beats the GOAT and we need, a, we need a we need a Vince Carter, Mac Jones dunking over the guy from Serbia gif. <laughs> and, and we need that. That's gonna be I'm making that Pat. That's gonna be made if that happens on the on, on what I imagine. Is that gonna be a Sunday night game? I didn't even I didn't even look to see, but it's it's gonna be a good one. Who got helped the most, Pat, by this schedule release? Who do you think had the most positive slate of games in terms of uh their ability to maybe surprise the people and make a playoff run or or bolster their chances to make a Super Bowl run if it's a contender. I want to hear what you say because I don't know if I have the right answer for this, and I know you studied a little bit more, so I'm curious to hear your perspective on this. I'm going to say the Philadelphia Eagles to make Jalen Hurts look good because they really don't have a lot of tough travel throughout the whole season. They got a nice draw um, from the NFC East. Um, they don't have to travel on a plane outside of the NFC East until week 10. And that to me is going to be a huge deal. I'm really intrigued to see how coaches judge playing time this year. I, I had Michael Barty. He made a great point today on the uh, GM shuffle talking about how coaches need to look at it as snaps played, not games played. They need to allocate 16 games of snaps to every player, not have players play 17 games worth of snaps. So that's going to be interesting to me. And I think, Philadelphia might be able to do that a lot easier with a more freshened up team. But I think I think Philadelphia is a pretty solid pick here. The team that maybe could get that is the Bengals, who are going to statistically travel the fewest miles of any team in the NFL this season. But like I said, Vegas win total forecasting, the most accurate way to project um, hardest schedule or schedule difficulty preseason uh, suggests that they have a top five schedule and difficulty. So I can't really say they got helped out there. You definitely studied up a little bit more than I did. You're coming in here with the travel statistics. You've got the miles, <laughs> projected miles traveled. So that's why I like Sky you miles. We got the gold. We got the gold platinum. We got the <laughs> they're rolling out the mats, Pat. They're rolling out the mats for everybody. <laughs> and that's why you lead us off with a category like that. I wasn't far off. I was gonna go with the Dallas Cowboys, and I thought yeah. it was kind of a stupid answer because if you look at their schedule, they start their season at Tampa Bay, then they go at the LA Chargers, 
And then they do have to play the Eagles at home, a bitter division rival. And so when you start the season like that in a sort of a gauntlet, especially against really uh, good quarterbacks to start, and then I guess just a really uh, high matchup, high intense division play, it seems like a brutal way to start the season. But then if you go forward with their schedule, it's a, it's a cupcake. They have a lot of very winnable games. So you got the Panthers and Giants at home after that. You do have to go to New England and to Minnesota, but we just sort of talked about the uh, question marks that exist with both of those teams. Not really sure what we're going to get as far as the quality of talent really on either of those rosters, even though we do uh, think probably both will be better than they were last year. Moving on, you got the Broncos and Falcons at home. It's really a back and forth, but then they end the season with uh, a two games against the Washington football team, the Giants, the Cardinals, the Eagles, Seemingly pretty good matchups for a team, especially as they try to make a late run. I think it's great to get those very difficult games out of the way early. As long as you come out of those healthy, come out of those without your morale completely shaken. I think the Cowboys will be in a a pretty nice situation to to make a run for it uh, late in the season, especially become a playoff team. I think that's what you want. You want your easy games late. Pretty much the exact opposite we talked with the Steelers who have their hardest gauntlet to end the season. I think it would be nice for the Cowboys. They have a little bit of a cupcake schedule going late into the year. I like that pick. That's an interesting pick. And the statistics agree with you on the Vegas forecasted win totals. Dallas Cowboys' seventh easiest schedule, according to Vegas Forecasting uh, and SharpFootballStats.com. The easiest, Pat, by far, is the San Francisco 49ers, who are very well ahead of the Broncos and Cleveland Browns. Browns might be a decent Super Bowl pick, to be honest, with uh, their uh, their their forecasted win totals, although the uh, underlying numbers from last season would maybe throw some water on that. But looking at San Francisco, really, really juicy schedule in the first five weeks of the year. If Green Bay has quarterback issues, you could be looking at Detroit, Philly, Aaron Rodgers with Green Bay, the Seattle Seahawks, which the 49ers have played very well throughout Kyle Shanahan's tenure, and then the Arizona Car- Arizona Cardinals. And then the final four weeks, final five weeks of the season, Bengals, Falcons, Titans, Texans, Rams. So very palatable start, very palatable finish for the 49ers, who many expect to uh, eclipse that 10 over under win total this season and bounce back with good health under Kyle Shanahan. That'll tie up the NFL schedule release. We'll touch on it more, obviously, next week as we continue on throughout the uh, NFL offseason, maybe wrap up and tie in some uh, some offseason signings that have happened over the past couple of weeks since the draft. But let's close this out, Pat, with the last five, ten minutes here, about five, seven minutes with the MLB ratings going up and our number one team in the land. So this kind of coincides with me. I've really enjoyed watching the sport this year. I've enjoyed MLB extra innings. I've enjoyed uh, all of the MLB TV uh, app action, the kind of like NFL red zone style they have where they have like a no hitter alert and they have like a close game alert on the app. I'm loving all that. 34% increase in ratings for Sunday night baseball. It seems like the game is getting to a much better place, Pat, especially when I don't know if you heard this, but in our neck of the woods, Ohio, we're going to have full red stadiums here uh, after or for my birthday, June 11th, beginning of June, they're going to start having full stadiums. So that's going to be very exciting, especially for a sport like baseball that relies so much on the fans. That is a beautiful thing. I actually did not hear that news, and so that is extremely. Yeah, man, DeWine, opening it up. Buck Wild, baby, go loose. 
And I, I think I mentioned it at the at the start of the season how I could see this being a really good a, a baseball season just because we were starved of it for a year. We didn't get that summer experience of going to the ballpark, and I think that was good for America, a sport that's been in decline for so long. We almost need to forget how much we loved it. You don't know what you Seems got. Seems like the arms time. have loved the uh, the shortened season that they had last year as well because the arms have been cooking. <laughs> Obviously. That is very true. It is the only thing at this point is we've been seeing a lot of injuries that I think has to do with just the way that this COVID year was last year. So hopefully we can keep guys healthy, at least get healthy squads into the playoffs. Cause that would be the ultimate terrible thing is if, you know, we enter October and the Dodgers are down Mookie Betts and Corey Seager and Bell, you know, something like that. And so hopefully we can keep the boys healthy, get everybody back and it'll be a beautiful run to the finish. We don't have to get too far ahead of ourselves. We uh, haven't even really hit summer here in Ohio. It's been chilly into May from uh, so far. So we got plenty of time to enjoy it. We're going to have full stadiums. It's going to be beautiful. I can't wait just to hear a stadium rocking again, just to feel that energy, you know, a home run late in the game that just gets the whole crowd booming. That will just make uh, – that will make the hair stand up on the back of my neck. I can promise you that, Russ. Oh, yeah. And according to MLB, on, uh, as of April 19th, fans had already watched over 1.3 billion minutes of live games. That's a very uh, discreet number that they like to use there, Pat, uh, to really emphasize the billion in that, uh, in that statistic. MLB.tv registered the most watched 18-day period in its 20-season history. So that's a lot of teams watching a lot of baseball and hopefully trying to figure out who the best team in the land is, Pat. As we close out here. Two, two and a half minutes. Give me your your 30 to 60 second soliloquy on your best team in baseball right now. So if we look at the standings, really baseball is starting to take shape in a lot of the leagues. So if I'm going to go into the AL Central for my best team, a division that was championed for a little bit by the Kansas City Royals who have crashed down to earth like a Chinese made rocket that was in orbit, have lost 11 straight, just been absolutely abysmal and led way to the Chicago White Sox, who I think now hold the highest run differential in all baseball. So a very simple way to look at it there if you're looking for the best team. But with a team that's faced so many injuries, Lewis Robert, who is their star center fielder, really the catalyst in their lineup goes down with a hip injury. He'll be out for a decent amount of time. They lost Eloy uh, Jimenez early in the season. He could have been a 40 homer guy in this lineup. Hasn't slowed them down one bit, though. Obviously, their big storyline has been Yerman Mercedes, who has been a stud, hitting almost like 380 still to this day, slugging over 500. Absolute monster. I mean, they got Yasmani Grandal, who walks like he's Barry Bonds still somehow. It's just a really good hitting lineup, even with all the injuries they have. And then their pitchers have been great, too. Giolito has been good. Lance Lynn has been the innings eater that people expected from him, the vet. Obviously, Carlos Rodon went in through a no-hitter earlier this year, so we've seen what he's done. And then Dylan Cease, who is one of their prospects, top prospects, has trouble finding the strike zone at times, but we saw him pitch against our Reds, and he was dominant, struck out like 10 or something in that game. He's got nasty stuff, and so he's someone in short spurts teams just cannot figure out. I'm going to go with the Chicago White Sox right now. They're playing the best baseball of anybody, and they got a very complete roster. If only they had a uh, a not 80-year-old manager with three DUIs who could think straight. Right, right. I, I like really that pick, Pat. Problem. I like that pick. So I'm rolling with the New York Yankees here. 
I love what they've done in May. Eight and two record. Garrett Cole has been shredding dudes. Three and zero on the season. An absolute flamethrower. Excuse me, five and one on the season. Three and zero win loss record as an away pitcher throwing .86 ERA on the road. That's going to come in very handy in April if he's able to keep that going. This guy is right up there with uh, with uh, all of the best AL pitchers in the league right now. One three seven overall ERA, .68 WHIP, seventy eight Ks, five and one record. Giancarlo Stans picked up the bat a little bit. I like what the Mashers are doing for the Yankees, although my fandom doesn't like it as a guy who is not a huge fan of the New York Yankees. For Pat Fetch, I'm Russ Heltman. This has been Riding the 3x3 little weekend edition as we close out with NBA, NFL, and MLB topics. Obviously, we'll be right back here, same time, same place on Monday. Have a great weekend, everybody.